The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely on our website at kopn.org. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture, and find food truth. And today I'm delighted to welcome Deborah Coons-Garcia. She is a director, writer, and producer of films about food, social justice, agriculture, and how all of those dots connect. You may be familiar with her film, The Future of Food. That was released in 2004, which examined the alarming issues surrounding the rapidly increasing corporate domination of our food supply, including the history and technology of genetic engineering. Her latest film, released in 2012, is simply called Symphony of the Soil, and it is an elegant film about something that we take for granted, and that is our soil. So, Deborah, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Melinda. I'm so impressed with your films because I think film has the power to really reach people's emotional core, and I think that's where we start changing opinion and changing policies. And I was wondering what led you to producing film. It's great that you recognize that films are are very emotional because I think the films I make need to be intellectually and emotionally satisfying and, for me, aesthetically satisfying because otherwise I don't think they transform people the way that I would like them to. So thank you for recognizing that. I think that's key to film itself is people are kind of looking for an emotional experience. But I became a filmmaker in 1970 when I was in college and I just became fascinated by the process and it's, it's really fun. You get together with a lot of great people, and and then it's done. <laughs> you have right. it in your hand, and you can send it out, and it starts having a life of its own. So I, I'm really fascinated by the process of filmmaking, and whatever kind of film I'm making, just the craft of film really intrigues me. So I enjoy that, and I've been fortunate in these films about food, the future food and Symphony of the Soil, and these sonatas of the soil, these short films that go deeply into one topic, these films that I've been working on for the last 12 years, you know, this topic is really close to my heart. And so I feel fortunate to be able to make films that people see and can help them understand how important these issues are. Mm-hmm. Well, I recently saw Symphony of the Soil in Ohio. I, we were both in Cincinnati at a Tri-Societies meeting. And just so our listeners know, this is a gathering of thousands of people who focus on agronomy, soil, and crop science. And they're largely from land-grant institutions, and they are focused on biotechnology for the most part. And you showed your film, and it got some troubling reviews, and I thought, I need to have you on so that we can talk about really what's at stake here. Because clearly there was a group in that audience who supported agroecological farming methods, which protect our soil and protect our water. And then there was another group that had, you know, for lack of a better way to describe it, kind of been consuming this Kool-Aid that the way we're going to feed the world is with biotechnology without really considering the unintended consequences, the fossil fuel required to produce food in an industrial way, and the consequences for future generations on our planet. So I think that the showing of your film was very important to this audience. And I loved the way you interviewed, as you mentioned, intellectually stimulating people, experts really, about the soil and the earth. 
And I wanted to ask you, were there people you interviewed that brought you to a higher level of understanding, like gave you an aha moment about the soil and how it's connected to our health? Well, the whole process of making the film was like a aha, you know, three-year aha moment. Right. Because I, you know, as I said when I introduced the film, when I committed to making a film about soil and started telling people as I was going around with the future of food, I was going to make a film about soil, I didn't really know anything about it. And I didn't know how complex it is, and I, I didn't really realize... You know, it seems like it would be a simple film, and I think if you're going into making a film about soil, you're just talking about agriculture and planting things and what kind of soil is good for that or whatever. That's one thing, but I, I ended up wanting to do a, a deeper film about the nature of soil and how we're part of the soil community and how we come from the soil and go back to the soil and just this amazing substance that's really a miracle. You know, it's a miracle that soil exists. doesn't really exist on any other planet that we know of. And it's a miracle that we've come out of soil. So it, the the whole film, I sort of switched from thinking I'm making a film about agriculture to making a film about soil where agriculture is a part of it. And once you realize how soil works, you know, all the microorganisms in it and these whole processes of this planet that soil really make happen, like transforming death back into life and recycling nutrients, you know, and balancing the atmosphere. I mean, there's all kinds of things that, that soil does. And and the more that we mimic nature in agriculture, you know, the gentler we are with soil, the more that we encourage it to do what it does and then take as little as possible from it and give back to it so that it can, we have to feed it so that it can continue uh, to, to do the things it does because soil is basically this incredibly complex organism with all these different parts in it, including microorganisms and buffalo and birds and snakes and voles, you know, all kinds of things are part of the soil community and really part of what makes soil function the way it is. So for me, it became, you know, going from sort of a simplistic idea of what soil was, the more I learned about it, the more I realized it's so complex, you know, how can I even begin to, to fit any of this in a film? So it was really funny because if I'd known how complex soil was, I probably would never have started telling people if you make a film about it. But once I did, you know, I had to, I, I didn't want to make a superficial film. I didn't want to make a film where you have, you know, sort of eco-celebrities saying soil is important and then you move on to the next thing. I wanted to make soil the protagonist of the film because soil is really a protagonist of our planetary story. So, so it was really fun having to work out the challenge of making people see that. You know, how do you become soil conscious? How do you make something that looks, seem, people think it's inert? How do you bring that alive to people? And how do you even, you know, relating back to the, to the event in Cincinnati, you know, how do you take people that, that think they know all about it? You know, they think they know how everything works. It's locked down. We need biotechnology. We need these insecticides. We need all this stuff. We can't do without it. And actually, we know that that's not true. And what, one of the things that we have in the film is uh, we have Warren Weber in it, who lives uh, in Marin County in California, where I also live. And his farm in Bolinas is the first certified organic farm in the country. And he's he sort of pioneered making these wonderful lettuces and all that sort of stuff. But he's been farming out there for over 40 years. And when he started farming organically in California, he went to find some experts and extension agents and all that to give him some advice. And 
they said, he, he relates it in the film, they said, oh, people can't grow commercially organically in California. You know, you'll never be able to do it. We don't have the right soil. You know, we can't, you can't, you know, all this stuff. And what a joke. You look back now and think some expert back then said, no one will be able to farm organically commercially in California. Now, that's one of the main things that California does. That's what we're known for. And there's thousands of organic farms all over California that people are doing very, very well and making a good living and providing wonderful food. So a lot of these experts, I mean, I'm, I really respect, you know, people who have a lot of information and knowledge, but science means to know. That science is from the Latin word sciera, which means to know. And so science is about what we know. And scientists, they think that what they know right now is all, that's all that there is. You know, there's nothing more to know. It's a lockdown. And that's it. That's what we know. Case closed. And, you know, that's actually sort of Mm anti-science because science is about now we know this. Now we know something new. So we have to change our assumptions. And now we've learned this, especially with soil science because of electron microscopes and satellites. We know a lot more about the soil than we ever have before because we can see these things that people knew were there. We knew there were a lot of microorganisms. We knew that they were transforming and breaking down things, but now we can see them, although it's still completely mysterious. You know, mm-hmm. soil is, a, is very mysterious. To the best soil scientists will say it's still really mysterious. And so one of the things about the people, you know, I mean, for the listeners, the film really its an advocacy film for treating the soil well, which actually means trying to farm in an ecological manner, like don't kill the soil, don't poison the soil. So at the conference, most of the people that stood up and said something really liked the film. Soil scientists love this film. But that conference, was the main sponsor was Monsanto. Mm -hmm. That main sponsor was Monsanto. And then the next tier were people, corporate people, I'm calling them people, corporations like Syngenta. You know, I mean, it was, that's who funded it. And, of course, that leads us to the idea that, look, who's providing the funding in universities as public money sort of drains out, who steps in, Monsanto, Syngenta, and then they fund stuff that will people will see their way. So yeah, I sort of feel sorry for these scientists that get locked into that position because that's where their funding comes from, that's what they're... But it was funny, there were two people that criticized the film, and they were actually sitting right next to each other. One of them, this woman, she came up to me afterwards and she said, you know, organic just gets too much attention. You know, there's just too much attention on organic. Come on. And it's kind of like, in a way, you see underneath it, they're kind of jealous because organic is so happening and people want it and there's all these studies showing that we can feed the world organically and a lot of farmers are moving away from poisoning their soil. And so it's almost a weird, desperate attempt. I mean, you see this in California. You see this when there's some movement towards more policies that favor organic, you know, they just freak out because, in a way, they are the dinosaur. They're too big, you know. They're they're not uh, appropriate for what we really need in the future. And so I think a lot of it is they're getting freaking out and getting very territorial and because people prefer organic, and that's what's exciting in the food industry. That's what's growing. Young people coming into farming – they all want to do small, organic, ecological farming that feeds their communities. They don't want to do the million-dollar combine with chemicals. So I think these guys, they're, cut, in a sense, desperate to put this over on people and try to take over 
as much as they can so that there will be no alternative. And that's the battle, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the battle right now. I don't think that people know how to get out of the system that they've been really forced into. And your points about the funding of the universities, the control of our government officials, I mean, the fact that I think I always get back to we need campaign finance reform so that we can get back to having a democracy But the same thing happens, as you mentioned, at the universities, and it becomes difficult for even professors who are not tenured to speak out and question. And as you say, that is the role of science, is to continue to question. And I was really disturbed, actually, by the comments that you received, but I love the way you spoke up for what I call the commons, and that is, hey, you're polluting my water. And I heard a a wonderful environmentalist speak a few years ago, and what she said was, what could we say to our great-great-grandchildren who look back to us and say, what were you thinking? Did you think we didn't need clean water to drink? And so by appreciating these molecules in the soil, and as you say, it is such a mystery, we know so little. I think that's what happens as we get older, that we learn more, and then the more we learn, we realize, gosh, there's so much more I don't know. And the soil is such a great example of that. But this idea of giving voice to these substances that we take for granted, be it the soil, our water, the atmosphere, the plants, the animals, who who else is going to speak up to protect them? And look at the horrific events from a climate standpoint. It's Mother Nature's way to remind us that we had better pay attention to things like the soil. Right, yeah. And I agree with you that a lot of farmers were pushed into this system and it seemed like a really good idea, chemical farming and all this seemed like we had to do it. But my sense is that a lot of them would like to get back to the soil. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe some wouldn't, but the people I know when um, the film The Future of Food, many, many people have told me that they take that film back to their where they go home for Thanksgiving or whatever, and they go back to Iowa or Nebraska or someplace where they grew up on a farm, and their father is a retired farmer or farming. And, and they say their parents watch that film, and a lot of it's about genetic engineering, but there's a part in it about how farming has changed, and it's become so much more industrial and so much more about get what are your subsidies going to be and how do you manage the, the equipment. You know, it's really removed from the soil. And many people have told me that when... And during that part of the film, their parents start crying. You know, their father Mm -hmm. starts crying because he knows that it's a loss, you know, that it's very removed from the kind of farm he lived on as a child Mm -hmm. um, or even that as a young farmer, you know, now these older farmers, and and they feel under the thumb of these corporations. And they feel it's removed from being connected to the soil and growing food, and it's all about what? You know, growing, growing ethanol. One of the things I tried to do in Symphony of the Soil was spend the first many minutes of the film. I mean, there's nothing, you know, the first hour of the film practically is just about how soil works and that agriculture is a, when Patrick Holden says, a dance with nature. You know, it's a relationship. Agriculture is a relationship with nature. And to really drive that home to people so then when we started talking about some of the problems of modern agriculture, like the 10,000 agrochemicals that we use and all that sort of thing that people will think, they will have connected with the soil and understand it and say, no, no, don't kill the soil. <laughs> don't put those on the soil. The soil is our friend, you know. Yes. We need healthy soil. So I tried to, rather than, in my work, I'm, I'm not a great believer in manipulating people using fear and guilt. I think that people 
need a deep understanding. And when they have an understanding and when they have an appreciation, that's when change takes place. I think it's so easy these days to create fear and guilt. It's almost too mm-hmm. easy, you know. It's too easy to do that, so I'm not interested in doing that. I want the other side of it. I want people, and I think also if you want to create real change, you need to have people care about something, not just be afraid. Mm-hmm. So that's most people of Symphony of the Soil, I mean, the, the guys that stood, these two or three people that stood up and complained that organic gets too much attention, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think that most people really appreciate that and appreciate that there's going to be a wider understanding of, of especially with, with farmers, you know, what it is they're working with, mm-hmm. challenges that they have. Listeners, if you're just joining us, we're speaking with Deborah Coons-Garcia. She is a director, writer, and producer of two terrific films. The first in 2004, The Future of Food, which examined the issues surrounding the corporate domination of our food supply and genetic engineering, and most recently, Symphony of the Soil, which is a beautiful film that reacquaints us with the substance of the soil that is essential for our survival on the planet. Deborah, I wanted to thank you for acquainting us to the importance of soil. And as you mentioned, the first part of the film introduces us to the different kinds of soil and how precious they are and how unique they are to different regions of the world. And we travel with you to different regions and we see the different soils. And I I loved one of the comments about, I can't remember who said it, but it was the description of soil as being the interface of biology and geology. And I think that, as you mentioned you're not into using fear and guilt, and unfortunately so much media is built around that. But I think the key, too, is developing relationships with our ecology. And what your film does is it helps us recognize that we need to have a relationship with the soil. Well, and soil itself is all about relationships, Mm -hmm. the relationships between the microorganisms and the, the larger ones and then the you know, the worms that create, um, yes. you know, aerate the soil and help move it around and get stuff going. I mean, soil soil is just one big, giant relationship, you know. Yeah. And, and our relationship with it, I think that this idea of living living lightly on the earth and, you know, as I worked on the film and started really researching stuff and reading a, a broad range of, of books and talking to people, I... I found myself almost adopting that the position that Native Americans, some Native Americans have, which are, you know, why would I cut into my mother, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm like, don't farm, you know, don't wreck it, don't let it be, you know? So I I think that if we, you know, changed our diet, which, you know, I don't eat meat, but, you know, I know that, you know, I think meat, you know, people, meat, you know, the way that we farm now, the CAFOs, you know, it's very, kind of, can be very destructive to the environment, so... Absolutely. You know, and changing diet. I mean, people, I don't think, the thing that this feeding the world thing is so annoying because most of the, the corn and soy grown in the United States is not fed to people. I mean, 40% of the corn goes into ethanol for cars. I mean, if we could take the whole center of this country and, and actually grow food instead of something that basically no one eats, it would be a whole different story. There's pl- enough. There's more food per person on the planet now than there's ever been, and of course, it's access to food that's the problem. But I think we should be kinder to the soil. I mean, I think we should. I'd like to let some of the prairie. I'd love love it to see it somehow regenerate into natural prairie. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we need a lighter hand, a lighter footprint on this planet, and allow these different kinds of soil that you're talking about, you know, to sort of 
appreciate those and let them be and not not try to um put everything on a in a lockdown you know and force it into into being our you know our slave <laughs> but mm-hmm. um it is it is interesting you know when you start really looking at uh how much do we really need to grow and and I also think that with this whole local people being more aware of growing things locally that you know, I also think these big corporations are threatened by the fact that, I mean, most of the food that I eat here, well, I live in Northern California, so I'm very fortunate. You know, we can grow food here year-round. I have greens in my garden year-round. But, you know, most of the food I eat other than coffee and chocolate is really local. You know, I, right. I have a farm CSA and the rice is from California. and Most of what I eat actually comes from within an hour or two of, of, of where I live. And that's a very threatening for this this corporate structure, if everyone started eating that way, and I know it's hard to eat that way in the winter and the where, where there is winter, although, you know, there's canned food and there's minimal amount of bringing stuff in would probably be better. But, it, you know, it, it's it, this, the, the stuff that people are choosing and the direction that many, many people are going is, is a complete threat to this whole corporate structure, you know, that, that is all about processed food and food that's so far away from where it was grown and, and its box and, you know, corn syrup, all this stuff. And it's, um, on the one hand, it's, it's very exciting, but on the other hand, the powers that, whatever, our corporate rulers, you know, they, they they don't want us to be able to eat locally most of the year and have our, I don't think they want that. I think they want us dependent. And, of course, Americans, you know, we want to be independent. So mm. it's a it's an interesting time. Yeah, that illusion of the independent farmer is one that I, visit from time to time, you know, the fact that even with the, sometimes I think the local food system or the local food movement can be something of a smokescreen because many people will go to a local farmer's market and think that everything's organic, and it's not. There are many farmers that even locally who are applying Roundup. You mentioned this in your film and how harmful glyphosate is to soil microbiology. And so because the farmers rely on those extension agents that come out from that university or land grant system and teach them, yeah, you know, you've got to use these chemicals if you're going to, if you want your crop to survive. So even on a local system, there's room for improvement and understanding that what we apply to our plants, pesticide, herbicide-wise, locally, will simply get into our local watershed. And so I think there's real opportunity to start locally and think about how our decisions affect our global environment, but to protect, to see our soil as a local community. I love that. In fact, one of my favorite people that you interviewed in this film was Elaine Ingham, because the way she describes soil, she says, it's like New Year's Eve and Times Square in there. And she describes, you know, the, the microbes communicating with each other and communicating with the plant roots. And you think, oh my gosh. Even on a local system, I don't want to do anything that will harm those relationships. So right. it's just beautiful. Yeah, it is really interesting when you start really understanding it. And I think that one of the things when I was in Iowa showing Symphony of the Soil, I came there right after it premiered at the Smithsonian, and and it was, um, you know, there's a group there, the Practical Farmers of Iowa. Yeah, they're great. So, yeah, it was so great to hear them after one of the screenings. This woman stood up who was an older farmer. And she said, I don't know how I can do this. You know, I don't know how I can 
adopt a more, you know, natural way of farming because I don't think that's going to be good for my bottom line. And so one of the practical farmers, you know, jumped up and said, oh, yeah, you can. You know, you can plant this as a cover crop, and then you can do that. He was giving her advice. And I thought, this is so cool. I mean, I never really understand everything they were talking about, but they had figured it out, how they could do that and how it could be a benefit and how they weren't going to lose any money on it at all and, you know, would actually be helping improve the system. And I thought, this is great. You know, I mean, this is like what it, this is exactly what I want. I mean, I have a screen and farmers are jumping up giving each other advice about what to do. I thought, this is a great victory for me. Absolutely. So I think that, you know, more and more farmers are It's kind of like when you're isolated and the only person you have telling you stuff is like the, the person told Warren Weber is you can't do that here. Yeah. And then you have other farmers who have a lot of hands-on experience saying, oh, yeah, you can, you can do this and this and this and this. I think what we need is more support, floral regeneration and and conservation practices. And, I mean, just putting back practices like um, cover crops and crop rotation, you know, I mean, there's there's things that farmers have been doing for the 10,000 years of farming that were sort of get removed from the industrial system. And I think in the film we have this thing about nitrogen and just Mm -hmm. using cover crops cuts down the amount of nitrogen that goes off into the water, creating the dead zones by 70%. So that's not farming organically. I mean, you're using synthetic nitrogen, but you're but the, you're using much less, and it's creating doing much less damage. So when I showed a version of the film, I was invited a couple of years ago to show it at the Hanziani Memorial Lecture at UC Berkeley. It looked finished, but it wasn't finished. It was sort of like a, you know, just a special version shorter film and I showed it at Yale and also Fresno State as part of their 100th anniversary and some of the farmers and ranchers at Fresno State who were on the panel with me, these guys that had been farming for 60 years, you know, they said we need nitrogen, we can't use that you know, I was really down on nitrogen, like nitrogen fertilizer, not good and they said, we need that, you know we, we, we can't take your film seriously because you completely just said, you know, nitrogen fertilizer, no to that and so I listened to them and went back, and in the final film, I just said, okay, here's nitrogen fertilizer, and here are the consequences. Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. it's not like, don't do it, but here are the consequences. And, and then we have this um, scientist you know, who studied the issue and, and put together all the studies and, it, from Cornell and said, yeah, well, they're cover crops that can really help. So, you know, and even using satellite farming where you can judge rather than using more and more and more nitrogen, you use as little as you possibly can rather than overdoing it because it's so cheap that at least you get a tiny little bit more yield, at least that'll pay for itself. So, And I felt I was really gentle. Some of these uh, really couple people said, well, you're just too much too nice about nitrogen, you know. You just And I said, but I, I want to help all kinds of farmers understand the soil. And if I can help some farmers realize that they can use less nitrogen, which is going to benefit all of us, then... I'm going to try to do that. I, I want those guys to come and see my film. I don't want them to say, don't go see that film because she doesn't know anything. She doesn't even, we, we need nitrogen. Well, whether we do or whether we don't, we'll see. You know, think we change practices. You don't need, you can use legumes, you know, all this kind of stuff. There are other, there are ways, to, there are other ways to do it. So Deborah, I, we're going to have to leave it at that because we're out of time. Oh, my gosh, that went fast. It, it went fast. But I want to commend you for producing this film. You introduce us to the soil. You give us alternatives to toxic approaches. And you give us hope. And that is a wonderful emotion to have at this time. So I want to thank our listeners for joining us. 
I want to thank Deborah Coons-Garcia, director, writer, and producer of two terrific films, The Future of Food, and most recently, The Symphony of the Soil. And I want to remind our listeners that Food Sleuth Radio is produced at KOPN Studios by Dan Hemmelgarn in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. Deborah, let's leave our listeners with a website. I like www.symphonyofthesoil.com. Would you agree? That's a great website, and we have lots of stuff on it, like some great pictures of soil and wonderful quotes and little clips I call grace notes from the film. Absolutely. Uh, that, didn't, that are fun to watch. Yeah, good website. I highly I recommend it, and I want to thank you so much for being my guest and for producing film. Well, thank you so much, Melinda. Thanks for your good work, too.